Well, Ulysses, something that we didn't have a chance to get to on yesterday's show, but we'll dive in today with much more as well. Nick Anderson, no longer a Tampa Bay Ray. Yes, and a possible Tampa guy going to the Hall of Fame and new faces in the front office. I mean, we, there's lots to talk about, Kevin, so let's start that right now. You are Locked On Rays, your daily Tampa Bay Rays podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, my name is Kevin Weiss. I'm Ulysses Sombrano. And we are the host of the Locked On Rays podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Be sure to check us out on all social media platforms, Twitter and Instagram, and subscribe to that YouTube channel of ours, Locked On Rays. You can see our beautiful faces on there and check out some of our interviews with highly touted Rays prospects, I may add. Um, All right, Nick Anderson. Uh, He was placed on outright waivers to clear roster space by the Rays. And lo and behold, he winds up with the Atlanta Braves who uh, seemingly are building a factory of former Rays players from Colin McHugh to Charlie Morton to Kirby Yates to Travis Darno to Guillermo Heredia, plus guys that I think people in the Rays fan base, not to say that they were ever necessarily contenders to, uh, be on the Rays, but Marcel Azuna and Matt Olson. It's like the Braves are getting all the players that Rays fans want and long for, seemingly. Yeah, yeah. That's what happens when you have, you know, maybe a little bit of a bigger payroll and, and, and budget. You can actually go out and and get certain guys. Uh, Travis Darno, didn't we just have a, a, a listener t- tell us about Travis Darno and how good that would have been? Yeah. We all we all feel that way. Uh, Nick Anderson mm-hmm. gone. We we talked about the Nick Anderson. This is kind of like um like the KK and and the Choi conversation. It was like the writing was on the wall. Uh, and and I, and I made that uh, comparison to Deion Navarro in 2010 being left off the uh, the ALDS roster, and how Madden said, "Hey, but I want you in the clubhouse and in the dugout." And he said, "No, nah, I'm I'm out. Peace out." Same thing. I I said it with Nick Anderson saying, you know what? I'm gonna leave Durham. Yeah. I'm out. And then they're like, oh yeah, the season's still going, but Nick Anderson is gonna go home. That kind of said, okay, well, there's something. Maybe a promise was broken by the mm-hmm. front office to Nick Anderson. Maybe Nick Anderson thought he he should have already been uh, with the major league club and trying to get those wrinkles fixed up there. Whatever it was, he wasn't happy, and it was a foregone conclusion that he would no longer be a Ray. Yeah, and quite frankly, at this juncture, the Rays have too many other options in the bullpen. They don't really have, I think, the luxury to wait around and hope that Nick Anderson rediscovers his velocity. Maybe he kind of feels a little bit slighted, not just about maybe not getting the opportunities that he felt like he deserved this season, but... Uh, he was, in a way, ran into the ground a couple years ago in the postseason. I mean, if there's anything we've learned from the Nick Anderson story, it's that 
your career and your trajectory as a professional baseball player can change very, very quickly. It wasn't that long ago that we were talking about him as not only the best reliever on the Rays, but maybe the best reliever in the American League, if not all of baseball. He, you could at least make a case and an argument uh, between 2019 and 2020 that he was, uh, it, it was a short podium of top relievers in all of baseball. I mean, with the strikeout rate, the ERA, and just all that he was able to do. And now he's, he's in the position that he's in. And, um, and what's unfortunate for him and others like him is that out of those two terrific years, he is still yet to really cash in on the numbers and the performance that he's put up. He's still, at the end of the day, basically a, a minimum level player as far as salary is concerned. I, I think he's he's still going to make under a million dollars this year. Uh, yeah, I believe you're right. And you, you talk If about he makes the much. roster, he has to make the roster too with the Braves. Exactly. And that's not a foregone conclusion. No, it's not, especially when you haven't regained your command, your control, your your velocity that that made you the the best uh, honestly, hands down, when that trade happened in 2019, his strikeout to walk ratio is so to this day insane that those numbers are ingrained in me. I don't have them in front of me, but I can tell you with the race, which is when that trade happened, two and a half months, 41 strikeouts to two walks. That doesn't make sense. Like yeah. Albert Einstein could just you know, go crazy trying to make that math work. Like a 41 strikeouts and only two walks. Like that's unreal because it was, he was a machine. He was automatic. And that's exactly the type of stuff that you crave for as a fan is just having a guy who's automatic. And he was that 2019. He was that in 2020. But unfortunately that was a very long postseason. And he was used like there was no tomorrow. And at some points, there was no tomorrow. And you needed to use Nick Anderson. But at the end of the day, you, you, you said it right. If, if an athlete's life can change on a dime uh, year to year, month to month, a reliever is just mm-hmm. more volatile than that. And you can be on top of the world and, and thinking, oh, I'm going to get a nice fat contract in, in a couple of years. So I just have to hold on. And then after those couple of years passes, you're like, mm, I haven't pitched in major league baseball for a year and a half now. And I don't even know if I have a team, I have to make it out of spring training. Like I did four years ago. Like that's insane. That, 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 that's a shame for him. Yeah. We got to honestly take a toll on him mentally, just having to deal with that and weigh with that as well. So just like with G man, Choi, best of luck to him going forward. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. It's where you can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. We're talking football, basketball, soccer, esports, and more. It is all available at BetOnline.net. Heck, it's the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. We all know that. So head over to their website today or use that mobile device of yours to learn more. BetOnline, it is where the game starts. All right, changing gears a little bit. uh, As we teased in the cold open there, uh, there is something called a contemporary era ballot contemporary era hall of fame 
ballot that'll be voted on by a 16-person panel at the winter meetings on December 4th. And there are eight players on this ballot, and it's eight very interesting names. Uh, Running through them, Albert Bell, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Don Mattingly, Fred McGriff, Tampa boy, and Tampa Bay Devil Ray at one point, Dale Murphy, Rafael Palmero, and Kurt Schilling. And might I add, any candidate who receives votes on 75% of the ballots cast by the 16-member Contemporary Baseball Era Committee would make it into the Hall of Fame. So 12 of the 16 voters would have to vote for a particular player, and these voting members can vote for up to three players. So this brings up a podium, if you will, Ulysses, a one, two, three, a three, two, one. If you were on this committee, who would you be casting your vote for? Between Albert Bell, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Don Mattingly, Fred McGriff, Dale Murphy, Rafael Palmero, and Kurt Schilling. I guess you could vote for just one or two or three uh, or none. But I have my three. I have my three. Okay. But I, I would like to just before that, I want to kind of tell you I got really upset at seeing Rafael Palmero in that in that list, and I'll tell you why. I okay. I don't know. I know people talk about steroids all the time and, and PEDs and how it's kind of a gray area and all that. And I understand that there is a gray area with steroids, but I don't think there's a gray area when there's an actual rule about it. So I, I don't understand. Like we can we can help voters decide which guys did actually break the rules and which ones didn't. It's mm-hmm. the ones that got suspended for it because there was a rule. They got tested and then they got suspended. Like Rafael Palmero got nicked. He right. got suspended for PED usage. Any of the other guys that we all suspect that most likely did steroids or in PEDs, they never broke the actual baseball rules. They never did. There were there wasn't any rules that you could not do that. But guys like you know, uh, um, who's another one? Uh, Manny Ramirez. People are like, oh, Manny Ramirez is a Hall of Famer. For me, he's not. I'm sorry. You broke the rules that were there. And you got nicked twice, Manny. Yeah. You got nicked twice. So I was upset at St. Rafael Pomero and not a guy like, you know, Sammy Sosa, who was never nicked. People just think he was and, and probably was. Yeah. But we don't know for real. So to Question. answer. Let, yeah. me, let me just follow up on that. So yeah. do you have a line of demarcation between being suspended for steroids and being suspended for utilizing a corked bat or for some other reasons, because Albert bell was suspended for using a court back, a corked bat in 1994. Now it was a seven game suspension, but still that is, I guess, breaking the rules, cheating in some shape or form. So, yeah. and that, that's a fair, that's a fair question. I, I think the quarterback also happened to Sammy Sosa. I was actually watching that game. Yeah, I was watching that, that game happened. too. Yeah, WGN, yeah. <laughs> um, those were the days. Yeah, those were the days. And that's, it, it's it's slimy. I don't like it, but I feel like there's a, a, a step ladder to those the, the, to the cheatings, you know, the, 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 to the cheating that could happen. I don't think a okay. quarterback 
is the same as, you know, putting stuff in your body that that's going to make your, you know, everything work a little bit faster, a little bit better. I think that's, that's, you know, there's a, a demarcation, like, I don't like the cork bat, but just seeing Rafael right. Palmero being on there, I, 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 I don't understand why, like, it's a clear demarcation line. Were you ever suspended because of PED usage? That's a yes or a no question. Why do we have to care about the ones that, that's, that, that yes, like, move on. That's an yeah. easy demarcation line. Um, but to your original question, my man, three, a podium. I, I think that's an easy podium for me. And, yeah. and let, let me say easy. this. I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Rafael Palmero is not on your podium here. <laughs> no, he's not in my podium. How could you ever know? Um, in no order necessary, I think the, the, those three that, that should be on there, regardless of their anything outside of the, the baseball field, should be Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, and Kurt Schilling. Yeah, that's exactly what I had as well. Now, that's putting a little wrinkle to it, say that, okay, we have members of the committee that aren't going to vote for anybody linked to steroids. <laughs> Is that where, okay, so we can't, we knock out Bonds. There's, a, there's already Hall of Clemens. Famers in, in there that have steroid usage, you know? Well, Kurt Schilling. So Kurt Schilling would be the one. So you you would not vote for Fred McGriff or Dale Murphy. Just Hall of Very Good. God, they're so Hall of great. close. Fred McGriff is so close because you look at his numbers, like twenty, almost 2,500 hits, 284 batting average, a 509 slug. That's a 134 OPS plus. Yes, I do not have these memorized. I'm actually reading them. 493 home runs. He's so close, man. 50.6 B-War. He played, what, 19 years? Like, I mean... Question. Question with Fred McGriff. If he got to 500 home runs, would he be a shoo-in? I think that would have... I think if he would have gotten 500 home runs, this wouldn't have ever happened, and he would have already been in the Hall of Fame. Yes, that round numbers matter and it's stupid. And I know people are watching this on YouTube who are subscribed and, and hitting that like button. They're like, but that's a ridiculous thing. He's only seven homers away. How can you say he's not really in the 500 club? I'm with you. I get it. Yeah. If we were in, in real life, we were rounding 493 equals 500. But that's not how it works in baseball. There's an actual club. You don't say the guy that has 586 home run, uh, he, uh, 86 home runs, he's in the 600 club. No, that, no. 600 yeah. club is 600. 700 club, that's the 700 club. I don't care. Is A Rod a 700 guy just because he has 696? Nah, he's 600 right. club. So, Unfortunately, that's the way that it, it works for Fred McGriff. He's a 400 club guy, and you you would have had to do a little bit more, I think. Especially, I mean, he also played in a, in an area in a in an era where other guys were putting stuff in their bodies, and their yes. their balls were flying a little bit farther and and more often than than his. So it's unfortunate. I think he's right there. I wouldn't be upset. Look at this in a roundabout way, straightforward. I wouldn't be upset if Fred McGriff went into the Hall of Fame. Right. But I don't think I would put his name on the ballot. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think one thing besides not getting to the magic number of 500 that I would think 
stings Fred McGriff in a way is he did play for, and again, when you, you have as long of a career as you do, you're going to hop around, but six different teams. So it was sometimes maybe hard to identify Fred McGriff of, okay, he's voted into the hall of fame. What ball cap is he wearing? I think there's something to be said for if he played all 18 years or most of his 18 years with the Blue Jays or the Padres or the Braves or the Devil Rays or the Cubs or the Dodgers, then that it, it might have been an easier sell as opposed to bouncing around and not only bouncing around, but he would go from the Devil Rays to like two other teams and then back to the Devil Rays. So I think there's something to be said with that. But at the end of the day, I agree with you. And I'll, I'll I mean, it's, it's going to be an interesting storyline to see how these votes are tallied and come about on December 4th. But yeah, I'm with you. I, I had made this argument before. Okay. I was willing to wait the, the 10 years to vote in if I had a vote, which I don't, uh, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens of, okay, you guys were most likely hall of famers before using the special substances. Uh, but because of what you did allegedly or not allegedly, uh, I'm going to make you wait and sweat out uh, until that that final year on the ballot. Of course, they they slipped off the ballot and now they're on the contemporary era ballot. But um, I would vote them in and Kurt Schilling. So we're talking about maybe three of the more dislikable players in baseball that we're giving votes to. But it is what it is. It's not a, a who's, who's the nicest guy in the clubhouse? Who, who was the nicest guy? Yeah. Who was the nicest guy to... Uh, the 10-year-old kid asking for an autograph contest. I'm sorry. And you know what? You can have those awards. You can have the nicest guy to ever have been a, a baseball player, and we all know that it would be Brett Phillips' unanimous vote. Gotcha. But, like, this is different. Yeah. Like, and, and, and I understand, you know, there's that integrity clause that the Hall of Fame um, talks about, and, you know, you know my spiel about this. The integrity clause is bullcrap because it's only used – as a detriment, as a negative right. to guys, to bring them down. I want to know which Hall of Fame player has the integrity clause be as a positive. I mean, I'll wait. Yeah. I'll wait. I mean, tell me who is – you know what? He's right on the edge. But, boy, he was such a great clubhouse guy, man. I mean, that that guy raw rod the hell out of us every year. Uh, mm -hmm. Look, he has to get in. I know he's just shot. That ne I've never heard that happen. But I've heard guys, Kurt Schilling, oh, he's right there. But a boy, is he awful? And then, boom, takes him down. Which, again, whatever. But the integrity clause, I think it's crap because it's only used to bring guys down. I want to see, you know what? Bring guys down with the integrity clause? I'm completely fine with that. But yeah. I also want to see the integrity clause be used to lift up guys who might have been just short a Fred McGriff, for example. Can right. we use the integrity clause for McGriff to, you know, only 493, but man, every guy ha that ever played with him has nothing but great things to say about Fred McGriff, the, the human being. That would be great. Yeah, I don't disagree with you there. Um, speaking of uplifting, uh, the Rays have... This is an interesting news bite. The Rays have hired John Daniels as senior advisor for baseball operations, basically just moments or not moments, but uh, shortly after getting canned by the Texas Rangers, uh, Ulysses, anything to make 
out of this addition for the Rays? Uh, surprising. That was that was okay. number one. I was like, what? They got him? Um, because, well, I, I, I got really interested in the Adam Barry article that specified his role because they said his focus will be supporting baseball ops senior leadership while utilizing his extensive experience in the industry to help further inform decision-making. So he's going to be in the room where big decisions are going to be made and they're going to ask him, Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? I don't dislike that one iota. And I'll tell you why the Rays usually hire from within. Okay. So they, they, which is great. You know, you're going to promote people from within and, and that's terrific, but we have seen how many other teams poach talent from the race. They do. Um, it's all over the 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 thirty teams. You can see some 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 rays, X rays, be uh, mm-hmm. uh, whatever current managers or, or front office or GMs and all that. I like this change of pace of saying, "Hey, let's let's get a guy who was the youngest GM at his, uh, in his time and see what how he how he thinks. He might think a hundred percent differently than us. He he might be against all of the things that that we talk about in this room." But we need that. We need yeah. we need to stop being in this echo chamber in this silo of information and 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 corporate culture where you know it might be a little bit stale in that race up front office of everybody thinking the same thing all the time. Everybody thinking, you know what? Let's 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 do this X way. Let's do this the the other way. It's nice to get somebody who has been there, done that, has been there in the biggest stages. Again, back-to-back World Series appearances for, for John Daniels as a GM. But he might think differently. And I think that's yeah. exactly the a good thing to do, especially with what we just saw happen in this season with the playoffs and the race, just inability to get anything going offensively. Neander then talks about how we cannot just sit idly and and think that we're going to be okay just with guys returning from uh, from bad injury years. That getting a John yeah. Daniels, I think that is great for discussion on who to target for free agency, who should we uh, trade away. Like that's I I like having somebody that's not in a race, yeah. you know, through and through DNA in that in that room. I love that. And he certainly has experience of landing big name and big quality free agents, and that's something that they can lean on to him as well. Another way that I read this is that the Rays want another voice in the room to assist Peter Bendix, you know, as a young general manager and prepare for the inevitability of more front office staffers in the Rays organization getting plucked by another organization, be it the Brewers, be it the Astros, be it the Red Sox. So they want to prepare for that. And, you know, it's funny, you see some comments from rangers fans of like oh good riddance you know uh, you know have have fun with john daniels well it's not like john daniels is coming in right away as the president of baseball operations and let's also this isn't a dumb guy this is a guy who you mentioned his resume and and what he had done in working his way up the ladder within the rangers organization you don't you don't get to that point by accident and you don't have that tenure that you have by accident yeah the rangers have sucked for the last several years and 
I'm sure part of the blame is on John Daniels, but it is an entire organization. I mean, you look at what the Astros are going through. After winning the World Series, they fire their general manager. These are the types of owners and people that you sometimes have to cater to and deal with. And I think that it's a a really shrewd move for the Rays to bring in a guy like John Daniels because, again, you know, maybe for whatever reason, maybe he he was a good fit as a general manager, but he wasn't a great fit as president of baseball operations and general manager. Um, You know, different titles and different responsibilities work better for you than others. You know, just to you know throw a a football example here, a guy gets an opportunity as a head coach. And he squanders it. He doesn't do a good job with it. But you know what? That gr- that guy is a great offensive mind. That guy is a great defensive mind. That guy is a great special team mind. And you can bring that guy in to utilize what he's really good at as opposed to running the whole. Sometimes guys aren't great at running the whole show, but they're great at a particular area. And that's maybe where John Daniels can provide some value. And, and also provide some value in the sense of, Hey, here's what went wrong in the Rangers organization when I was on top of it and make sure you don't make these mistakes or make sure you watch out for these pitfalls and landmines. So I think, um, I'm actually kind of not amazed, but that they were able to get him in a senior advisor role. I'm not sure what that pays or, or what scale that's at, but I I would have thought that maybe another organization would be of would be a, a, a willing to give him a, a greater title or greater responsibilities, if you will. I was, I mean, honestly, like John Daniels for me, like that, that's, that's a heavyweight name in, in baseball. Yeah. You know, if, if you're into baseball so much that like you're listening, you're watching us and that, that means you, you know who John Daniels is. And, and so like that, at least to me, when they got him out, I, I was surprised. I was surprised, yeah. but I, I, honestly, like, I think that's a good thing. Just gets, other people that might not think exactly like you do, I think that's exactly what could help the Rays kind of break yeah. off from just being pitch, pitching and defense, pitching and defense. Like, can we just maybe unlock something with the hitting? Why are we missing that aspect, that that offensive-mindedness? Yeah. Like, what is going on there? We all know they are a pitching factory, but you've got to figure out, like, what are we doing wrong? And maybe... John Daniels doesn't know that, but it's a great idea to bring somebody whose past teams were juggernauts. I remember those lineups. They were not easy to get through at all. Yeah. And another thing, too, that we uh, forgot to mention or didn't mention at this point is John Daniels was part of an organization, led an organization that went through the construction of a new ballpark. So I'm sure that he's going to be able to provide some value there in terms mm-hmm. of because that is a a major major pro, uh, project so it might not just be on the field but off the field or just the the things that we don't think about besides just signing and trading and releasing players but running an organization and, and trying to figure out how you're going to build this thing within the next couple of years Very so true. that Very is true. another big component of it as well. So, uh, and also, you know, maybe a little, I don't know if he was involved in this or what, but Texas live, you know, maybe he can provide some insight. And if you're going to have a, a battery Texas live Xfinity, Xfinity live component to, um, your ballpark area, 
uh, you know, there, there might be something there as well. So, all right. Uh, we got through several topics there, uh, for the rest of the week, unless something major breaks, uh, we have player reviews and, uh, some good ones at that and stay tuned for that. Uh, in the meantime, thank you for making the locked on race podcast, your very first listen every day. Now make your second listen, the locked on sports today podcast. That is also free and available on all platforms. Hope you all have a wonderful day. Stay safe and we will talk to you tomorrow.